Welcome to Risk Grasslers, where we celebrate the extraordinary journeys of modern-day risk leaders who embrace the art of grassle, a powerful fusion of grind and hustle. Our podcast dives into the innovative strategies and bold decisions taken by these risk takers, shaping the future of cybersecurity and risk management. Join us as we explore their inspiring stories, insightful advice, and the cutting-edge technologies that define the alternative GRC landscape. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of uh, Risk Rustlers. Today we have with us Renee, who's I let I won't introduce Renee on her behalf. I'll allow her to talk about her journey. But this is a very interesting uh, interview today because Renee actually moved. She followed a rather rather unorthodox path into information security. Renee started as a journalist, then uh, went into risk uh, forensics, and then eventually went into uh, information security. And I think. Super curious to understand, Renee, what was, uh, why and how you treaded the path that you ended up treading. Uh, what was the journey like? Well, I moved from journalism into technology in part because I was working a lot of hours. I was loving the job. The tech was exciting. It was new. It was in the early 2000s. And I had an opportunity at Expedia, the online travel uh, seller, seller. And so took that. And my first role there was within fraud. And I didn't know it at the time, but that is a security domain. And I loved it. I loved understanding the motivation. I, understood, I loved understanding what people were doing with other people's information. And I loved staying proactive and on top of that and, and stopping them before they were able to access that, that sale. And through my time at Expedia, I moved around. I went into business continuity, uh, crisis communications, a few other things before I made way, my way to information security. And what I saw along the way was that I really just loved protecting people and I loved protecting their information. And so when I had an opportunity to move into information security, someone spoke to me about it and, and was very, it was a great opportunity. Uh, you know, I was going to be bringing my communication skills and my previous experience with me. So all of those transferable skills into information security. And when I got there into the role, I realized the people are fabulous. It sort of felt like I found my tribe. We had similar interests and it felt in many ways, like all of these skill sets that I've been building and all the things that I was passionate about protecting people, protecting the company, uh, understanding motivation, that it all just fit together nicely into this packet. And was it at any point of time uh, intimidating for you, given that it was a completely new area, uh, fairly disconnected from what you'd done prior to that? Uh, and if and if it was, how did you overcome that? Where did you begin? I would say it was different, but I didn't know enough at first to be intimidated. I had a lot of... <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. So the, the, the lack of baggage actually... Uh, it, it kills the intimidation. I mean, you don't even know what you don't know. So, it, Yeah, it's true. It's true. And what I did know was that I'd had experience in the past in many of these areas, and I didn't have that strong understanding of the tools that were being used and the vendors that were being used, but I'd done similar work. And when I first took the role, it was a lot of ensuring people had their training and vetting the training. So it was a great opportunity to build on my information security skills because I had to vet the training for secure code development and for general information security training and help build that. 
So you effectively started, you started with GRC in some sense, right? I did start with GRC, right? And I did a lot of uh, communications. And then through that process, one of the things that I brought with me was I was able to move projects along. And I had that business background and the experience in probably 10 years at Expedia in working with other teams to have things happen. So as things were needed then, I had an opportunity to work in vulnerability management. I had an opportunity to work with policies. I had an opportunity to work with uh, KPIs and metrics for the overall security team. So in many ways, rather than having that very deep dive technical experience, I started off with the broad strokes uh, across the groups. That brings me to a question, and this is a bit provocative, but I'll still I'll take, take the liberty to ask, right? So you started with GRC and GRC in many ways is is the building the, the first step towards building a strong information security program. It's very foundational in nature, but it's also perceived as uh, a relatively unsexy area within information security. So uh, have you also experienced that? And if yes, how do you think the narrative around that could potentially change? Two things about that. I think it's often considered very dull and boring and like you said, not sexy. And the other part is that I think sometimes it's seen as of less value than the developers or the engineers who are building things. And so I think it's really important for the teams to understand uh, that the people doing this work have to have that broad technical knowledge to complete the work, right? And then the second part of that is if somebody's going through and they have a checklist and they're saying, tell me, did you do this or not? Well, that's, that can be a little boring and perhaps not as useful for the teams, uh, really understanding the best solutions and being able to dive in with the teams and figure things out. I think that that makes a huge difference for them. And that's really where the excitement from the role comes. And, and also in a little bit of the ability to not be black and white about compliance, but to be able to say, hey, this is what it says. How can we apply it here to be the most secure that we can be or to meet our goals? Got it. And if I may follow up on that point. so. You mentioned having to work with teams, you mentioned having to work with people and a lot of your success as, as a GRC head would be dependent on people buying into what is, what you're trying to establish, right? Uh, whether you're trying to create a register of risks, whether you're trying to establish uh, certain controls and assign control owners, a lot of the remediation activities, a lot of the continuing compliance activities will essentially be carried out by people who are not a direct reportees or chances are you would have very little influence, uh, uh, by by manner of uh, authority or any sort of executive control over them, right? So, but you still have to get your job done uh, because if there is a if things go south, uh, you will be in the line of fire. You will take the first bullets for the company, right? So, how do you manage that situation? How do you create a balance between making it collaborative versus making it more assertive? How do you create a balance between being a pushover and a hard ass, really? Yeah, the <laughs> pushover versus the hard ass question. I long term thinking is always that it's best to be neither, of course, right? So long-term thinking is that you want to have people on your side, you want to have them educated, you want them to understand what's happening. And the hope and the goal is that they will cooperate because they see the value. Now, I know that's not always possible. And I understand that there are times where things just have to get done. So I, I will say that being a hard ass always generally doesn't work out for people in compliance. 
It's a very solid short-term strategy. You just have to get things out the door. Uh, I don't really see a lot of reason for that because we all know that compliance is required. We know that it's going to happen on a regular basis, but every once in a while, something just slips and it has to happen. But long-term, you're really going to be building better relationships if you can provide people the information they need early, if you can make sure that they know what's needed, and if you can make it as easy for them as possible to get the information in. So then you have to hold them accountable. So if there's any part of being a hard ass, I think it's the holding people accountable, but in a respectful way. Hey, this was due on this day. How are you doing with it? Are you able to get this in? You know, if not, we have an assessment coming up and we'll have to document this. Uh, so I think that's really important too. I, I keep going back to the hard ass thing and I know so many folks in compliance have that reputation and the ones that are difficult to work with rarely stick around more than a few years. Uh, you know, people, it, it's hard to work with difficult people. And what do you think? And, okay. That's a very interesting point because one would think that if you, because context compounds, if you stayed for a few years with a company, uh, built the security program for a company, handled GRC for a company, you've accumulated context that will compound over a period of time. But we see a significant degree of churn in the industry. Uh, why do you think that happens? Is it is it general fatigue, boredom, people wanting better problem statements, or is it, what do you think is the reason behind it? Behind people who leave? Yes, yes, there's a swift churn review. Right? I'm thinking this through right now, and I have seen a number of situations. I've seen people who did not have the background put into these roles because in some situations there's a belief that anyone who is able to manage a program or anyone who's had success in other areas will automatically pick up quickly and have success. So I think that that can be an issue. I think not everybody has the interest when they're when they're maybe put in this role. And then also I think sometimes these roles aren't always uh, seen as a value as some of the other roles. And that goes back to the question about, is it sexy or not? Right? So if you're in a team where everybody thinks, well, the development work, that's really important. But the people who come around and say, Hey, it was this done correctly. Was this done within our frameworks and can it be right? If, if those people aren't valued, then I do think it's a little bit harder to stay in those roles. Any shifting gears a bit, a lot of. Our viewers are essentially startups who put in their growth journey. Uh, they've reached a certain threshold in terms of their ARR or revenues, and they have approval for establishing a security budget. So when they are out there to set up a minimum viable risk program, if I may, if I'm being a little cheeky here and I, and I ask you to give me the worst possible advice, the most horrendous piece of advice that you can think of, what would that advice be? So you know, I've had experience before where the flashiest tools came in and we didn't have the structure or the people to support them. And I think that watching for things like that, uh, there is no magic tool, right? There isn't. If you bring something in, it still takes the knowledge and it takes the work and you have to make sure that your data is reviewed and, and into the tool, however that happens. So building that foundation first is so critical and then once you have that you you do have 
generally a minimum viable product. It might be that, you know, it's within your own systems and there's extra work involved. And after that, then you can look at those tools and you can say, well, how much time will it take? But I know that a lot of times, and especially it happens, maybe the, the CISO is out at a conference and suddenly comes back and says, okay, I have these three things and they're going to solve everything. And uh, that's probably when people should be running, right? Because the, those tools, they help and they can be implemented well, but you still have to have that basic risk program. You still have to understand what's happening with your information. Uh, and you know, a lot of times there's a little, there's depending on the tool, anything from a little bit of onboarding to a lot of onboarding and work and then the management of the tool too. So, you know, in some ways, even in the best possible scenario, or you have your program and it's up marine, you bring in a tool, then you still have to plan for the time and investment to make that tool function the way you want it to function. So it's not the magic pill sometimes that people think. And I used to get a little nervous about that when I would hear, oh, there's a new tool coming in, right? Too much acronym, too much, too much mumbo jumbo, a lot of, lot of jargon, right? So yeah. And, and the, the question was always, well, and who will be implementing the tool? And very rarely had that part of the conversation been covered. And you know, sometimes when you're talking to vendors, uh, you know, they will suggest that this will solve everything. And they probably do have the solutions, but there's still work to be done on the other side. And so always understanding that amount of work that needs to be done and having that handled is, is really, really important. I, I have one last question uh, on this piece. So in the last year or so, we've seen companies tightening their I mean, exercising a lot of fiscal uh, prudence and what that has meant essentially is that budgets being cut across multiple teams. And oftentimes we've seen GRC teams also becoming smaller as compared to what they were maybe a couple of years back, but the compliance overhead hasn't, hasn't come down. If anything, it's only increased. And with the new, uh, with the new SEC guidelines around, around incident reporting, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of new concepts that have been thrown at companies now, uh, a lot more than what it was maybe two, three years ago. So how do you balance that? You're essentially managing a, a harder compliance environment, stronger regulatory requirements with a leaner team. So what's been your experience around that? And how do you think companies should navigate that? You know, my, my real life experience has been that relying on those foundational elements that you already have in place is key because you can return to those. So, you know, very real example, we lost a tool at my place of employment and it did all of the automation work, but being able to go back and understand what was really happening behind that, what needed to happen and how we could implement it in a lower, I don't want to say lower tech, but it's, it's definitely a higher touch way with less automation that's helped us. Um, but you know, you're right. There's compliance requirements are increasing. And I've seen small companies, I've worked at a small company, and it still took almost the same number of people to complete those assessments as it did for a larger company. It's, it's you know, that headcount or the people involved or the tools involved, it doesn't really change because everybody has to show the same sort of things, especially if they're working with PCI or they have SOX assessments, that sort of thing. There's a, a cost at the beginning, right? And then as the company grows, if they do things right, then they don't necessarily have to grow their teams, but there still is that amount of effort that has to go into it. So it's, it's really an interesting time. And 
I think a lot of companies might be taking more risks and, you know, it's a leadership decision, a leadership call. And if that is what they need for their company and the leader sign off on it, as long as it's not breaking laws or contractual obligations, right? That's a business call. Um, and I think that that might be happening more too in this environment uh, as people are trying to keep the lights on, but then cut all of their potential costs. Um, but I do think that, you know, the next year when they have to do the same assessment over, it, it can just be crazy, right? You've lost the people with the knowledge if you've cut your teams, uh, maybe you've lost some of your tools. And so then the next year, the work is going to be almost double because people are relearning it and they're restarting things. And I've seen that as well too. You got it. So maybe some bit of forced frugality compels people to go back to the basics, really worry about things that, that matter, but then taking it too far can potentially derail your GRC slash information security programs. So I think companies need to figure out the way to balance, uh, balance between the two, right? I, I agree with that. And I've seen some teams where, you know, very, very large companies and it felt like there were people that were building processes to build the processes to build the processes. So, <laughs> and to get things done in those companies, right? You know, a couple hundred thousand people, it took forever because then each one of those processes was, was something that had to be gone, gotten through and checked off. And the, going back to uh, something I said earlier about compliance, which is right here, looking for what you need to do and then evaluating and you're providing your own interpretation a bit in terms of this meets it, this is risky, right? Um, so that's really important when you're looking at all of your processes is to understand, is it really required for compliance? And that's another thing, right? With, with some of the people that are seen as a little more hard ass in the industry, <laughs> uh, they love rules. They love rules. And I also like guidelines and I like to know where the rules are. So, you know, when you're breaking them or not, but if, if you're so in love with rules that you're creating rules to create rules, that's, that might be a sign that your compliance team has outgrown what's needed. Got it. All right. Makes sense. Thank you, Renee. This has been really insightful. Uh, thanks for sharing your, uh, your, your experiences with uh, with our viewers. Folks, thanks for attending yet another episode of uh, Risk Rustlers as we keep bringing the stories around people who grustle their way into risk management and are doing phenomenally well at it. Uh, so thanks, thanks for attending. Bye. Thank you.